I would rather pee outside. I would rather pee in like heroin filled needles in an alley than pee in a public restroom. You are listening to Share a Slice with Sean. So you were listening to Jenna Jimenez, who is an actress and also a comedian. You'll see Jenna on Esther Povitsky's new show on Freeform called Lone Together. You'll also will have found Jenna on sort of a survival-like show for Discovery Kids called Endurance, where she actually almost won the program. And I first encountered Jenna on Esther Povitsky's Periscope because I was a member, I am still actually a member of Esther Squad, which we're sort of like fans of Esther Povitsky. And Jenna is the weird friend who came over to Esther's house and did homework with Esther. And uh, she is just absolutely delightful You're never going to meet another person like Jenna ever in your life, I guarantee you. And Jenna tells it like it is. She doesn't mince words, and uh, she can seem vulgar to some. She can seem uh, over-the-top to many. There's a certain amount of joie de vivre underneath all of this, and I think it shines through in this interview with Jenna If you're squeamish and you don't like the occasional vulgarity or you don't like, you know, bidets or what have you, then uh, really I challenge you to go through the interview. What Jen is talking about, I think, is informed from a life that had a certain amount of uh, obstacle in it, which, you know, gives her a different sort of point of view of how things work. Let's jump right into the conversation It's coming to you from Jenna's closet in Los Angeles. Uh, So it's because we were having some sound problems on that day. So if it feels like the sound is a bit wobbly, that's why. But really bear with me. There's lots to love. Let's jump right into the interview. Jenna Jimenez, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I don't really feel like I'm on a show because I'm in my closet on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best place to interview. Jenna is actually on the floor in her closet. I'm here just like I have my water bottle. I have my chai tea, my dirty chai that I just made. I'm also like a child. So you know those old rubber water bottles that you fill with hot water and then you just like hug them like a heating pad? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because, uh, you know, old people use those when they have pain. I'm currently doing that because I always have pain. Sorry, hold on. I'm going to move this plastic. I'm going to move that plastic bag. Yeah, you don't want that coming down. I, I can I can sort of visualize it, but I mean, really, the closet's the best place to be a lot of the time. Do you know that uh, I heard that Mr. Rogers, actually, when he stayed at hotels, he slept <laughs> in the closet. Really? Yeah, I heard that. Um, I don't know. He felt more comfortable. Like he, I guess he felt threatened or something sleeping in the bed. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, though. If he, maybe if he didn't even feel threatened, but he just felt an extra sense of like comfort and coziness and like protection. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, in the closet itself, it's kind of like a little, it's like a cocoon. And so it's quiet and warm. So it makes sense, you know? It's kind of like vaginas. Yes, and we're going to get into vaginas later on in the show. I've been doing some cyber-stalking on your Instagram, which is, by the way, like where anybody should go if they want to have like an extraordinary time. They call you the the genamel. Genamel. (laughs) (laughs) So just for the listeners, uh, we had a take prior to this one. Uh, We had some sound quality problems, and I I must have fucked that up like, uh, what, like probably about a dozen times. It's like I cannot say it. I keep on wanting to say the genanimal, but it is the genimal is correct. Yes, that is correct. Where where did the genimal thing come from? 
And also, to be fair, I would say you only fucked up about seven times prior. <laughs> Thanks. Well, it's so. good that you're keeping track. Yeah. Uh, Jenna Mole came from one of my my best and dearest friends um, about six years ago. I mean, Jenna Mole, the Jenna Mole has always existed. It's always been the way that I have been since I've known myself. Um, I actually... I'm extremely tame. I mean, the people who know me, who've known me for a really long time would say like, oh, Jenna's Gen- really calmed down and is not as obnoxious as she used to be. And it's like people who just met me think that I'm a fucking clown. And I'm like, oh no. I mean, in high school, I was like getting in trouble for shaving my legs in class or for sitting on the floor. Sorry. Or with- shitting on the floor sitting sitting oh okay great yeah it's just the way that i was raised was very open and accepting and it took me a really long time to understand that me being me was disruptive to kids in class or was disruptive to other people because i always realized that the way that i i only realize this now but the way that i acted did get a lot of attention and I didn't understand why I wanted everyone to just act normally and to resume class normally. Like, yes, I'm shaving my legs. You can still keep doing your work. Yes. I'm sitting on the floor. Just do your work. And so people began to think like, Oh, she's doing it for attention or she wants attention, which of course I love attention, but I didn't want it while I was doing things that to me were normal and totally acceptable. Um, but yes, Genimal came from one of my friends who, when he asked me what my spirit animal was, I named about 17 different animals and and he was like, okay, well, that's just a lot of different animals. That's not a spirit animal. So I agreed. And he was like, well, you're the Genimal. There is no other animal. You're the Genimal. And I was like, oh, shit, that's so good. I wish I thought of that. And basically the whole, like, genimal thing, um, if I read your Instagram, you've got uh, the Chai City to Tri City. If I ever showered at your place, I've peed there, too. Uh, peeing in the shower, peeing in the streets. You basically pee wherever, whenever you... Okay, maybe not wherever, but, I mean, whenever you need to. And, right. uh, you, you, I mean, you pee outside, and you seem kind of free and unfettered that way uh what's the deal with the peeing yeah so the deal with the peeing which my mom would say the same thing like i don't understand why and i was like mom i mean like you raised me like this what are we gonna do now you know i i just think that everyone honestly should be able to pee outside and of course not on the sidewalk where people are walking not where it's gonna stink it up but like on a curb or in nature or on grass, you know, like I have to pee a lot. Maybe that's the bigger issue. And I have never been okay with just needing to pee and then having to hold it in and wait until I find a restaurant that's going to let me, or maybe Chase Bank used to let me and then Chase Bank stopped allowing their customers, which I totally get even if you're a banker there. So it's like after years of doing that whole thing and it not really working, I was like, I'm just going to pee outside. And it's always been okay to me and normal to me. And, you know, even if I'm babysitting and a little kid has to pee and they're going to piss their pants, of course, should they be learning how to hold their pee as well? Yes, because that will help them in their life and they should understand when it's appropriate and when it's not. But when I'm at the park with a kid and there's a tree or something, I'm like, here, it's fine. And and I think with that also comes that attention thing that I was talking about earlier. That's These are the things that I don't want an ooh-ah attention for you know I, I want it to be normal i want it to be normalized i want people to understand that you can be free and also uh respectful of other people and conscious of other people and 
appropriate in a sense. You know that you can learn both of those things. And to me, that's what maturity is. It's I was not mature in that sense when I was younger. I I did not understand how I was disruptive to people, disruptive to other kids in class. I didn't get that because I was living in this truly gentle world where anything I did uh, just seemed normal to me. You know, I had teachers, you know, who when I would walk into class would be like, no, mm -mm, I'm not teaching her this year. And I had teachers who would vouch for me and be like, she's an amazing student, which I was. I always cared a lot about school. She's a great student. You just have to kind of let her do her thing. And uh, when I lived in Argentina, when I was 16 to 17 alone, uh, I realized, no, like, yes, I, I can do my thing, but I also have to understand that there are other people for whom that is distracting, disruptive, and rude. And then with that knowledge is where maturity comes from, where you can then be like, okay, well, these are the things that I'm going to be okay with that I think are reasonable. And if people can't deal with me peeing, you know, by a tree or somewhere they're not going to step, then they can maybe not fuck off because it's like I don't feel negativity toward them, but I'm like, "Mm, they can just deal. In China, it's actually pretty normal for people to, you know, at least kids to go and pee or or do whatever they want, you know, in the streets to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. And uh, no one has problems when you go camping and you go pee, uh, you know, outside of there. And and I think you were telling me earlier with, uh, before we had the audio issues, you were talking about how a lot of times peeing outside in, in the open air is actually a whole lot cleaner than peeing on some random you know, uh, Texaco uh, toilet or something out there. Oh, I mean, that's a huge part of it. I think that public restrooms are fucking disgusting. And to me, it's, it's much cleaner and safer for me to just pee outside. I mean, even when I went to this music festival like seven years ago, uh, I was in college and... I preferred to pee outside than the porta potties. And when I had to poop, I actually went inside the tent, put a heavy duty garbage bag, like wrapped it, MacGyvered this whole thing. I had wipes and hand sanitizer and toilet paper. And it was so much cleaner than anything that would have happened in this porta potty where I was trying to use a headlamp. Like it's just disgusting. Um, so yeah. Well, what do you think about bidets? Have you tried a bidet? Yeah, when I lived in Argentina when I was 16, every single house had a bidet. I feel very strongly about that because uh, I didn't really know about those until uh, we remodeled our bathroom here at the house. And my mm-hmm. wife it was like, uh, we, didn't, we didn't get a full bidet. We got one of those, um, you know, it's like an attachment that goes onto your toilet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we even got like the hot and, water, hot and cold water version so you don't freeze your, your ass off. Other than a few mistakes that I made at first where I ended up, you know, I thought I was going to wash the bidet and it turns out that I sprayed water across the room uh, in mm-hmm. onto the ceiling. I mean, other than that, once you actually manage to clean your butthole properly after going to the bathroom, yeah. it's hard to go back, you know? It's like you feel kind of dirty. Yeah, you do. I mean, I'm... So, like, I always have to have wipes now, and they have to be, like, the proper kind of wipes, and there has to be, like, I have this little wipe container where you do, you just press on it, and then you just press on it to close it, because then usually, and it's weighted, so only one wipe comes out, and then if mm-hmm. you want another one, you just take another one. And, uh, but yeah, I love bidets. The only thing that went wrong with a bidet for me was that when I first used it, you know, they explained it to me and I was like, I got this shit. This is, I got this. I'm just going to wash my asshole. It's going to be fucking easy. Like, you don't have to teach me how to wash my asshole. And I did it. And it, I mean, the water pressure was so hard that it almost went through, like through my asshole out of my mouth. Yeah. Like it, it was so strong. And I just remember screaming and being like, ah, and, uh, you know, then you learn how to use it and it's so great. And then you, you're like, damn, we're all walking around with dirty assholes. You know, like that's just how I picture it. 
some of my friends are Filipino and Filipina and they they usually always clean their butts because in the Philippines there's like a cup. I forgot what the name of it is, but there's always a cup next to uh, the toilet where you just clean your butt and it's very normal. And so when I go over to their houses, there's always the butt clean cup. I have so much more here. Um, first of all, your upbringing is kind of interesting because <laughs> so your your father, he's Mexican. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, hence the Jimenez. Yeah, very Mexican. And your mom, she's like a Jewish from uh, like Chicago type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got like this melding of cultures. And I, I saw a video actually on your um, YouTube and, and you were like, per, you were basically acting out the first time your mother told you about, uh, I think it was either sex or masturbation or something. And uh, she handed you this book, like, love your vagina, love yourself or something along oh, those yeah. lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, does that really, that, I think that really encapsulates maybe where you're coming from. You've got like your dad who's a little more strict maybe and your mom who's like uh i gather she's more like a kind of like a a hippie hippie jewish woman definitely my mom is a a hippie jew and my dad is just a stereotypical mexican (laughs) well i don't want to say like because you can't be super mexican or less mexican it's like if you're mexican you're mexican i don't want to put that idea out there but um He's very traditional Mexican father, and my mom is very hippie Jew, just like, I mean, I don't think I understood body insecurity until maybe after I broke up with my first boyfriend, and by that time I was like 21, because then you begin to feel insecure and then it just trickles into everything. But I really didn't understand body insecurity until I think I like moved to LA because that yeah. was not a, that wasn't a reality for me. You know, like growing up was, there was no, cause now this self love era that we're in has come from the self hate. You know, and so it's like an overcompensation of I'm going to fucking love all the shit that I don't like, which I'm a fan of because why not? It's a positive movement. But when I was younger, there I was not overcoming anything. I was just like, yeah, my body is my body. My body's functional. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like my mom never. She just never talked about, you know, if she was gaining weight or losing weight, never made it a thing. My dad never talked about it. I didn't date in high school. And so I think that, you know, there's a possibility that dating and uh, leads to this insecurity or men, in my opinion, maybe, Um just because I don't have experience with dating women. But for me, it was, you know, in my first relationship, you want to look good for someone or you want to be good for someone. And then, and I was super secure during the relationship as well. Um, I had a really great first sexual experience, which I'm really lucky. I mean, not lucky because everyone should, which is fucking sad. But um, I'm grateful that, sex for me has always been a positive thing through growing up and then throughout my first relationship. Um, so I was never really tainted in that sense, but it wasn't until I broke up with my first boyfriend that I was like, Oh my God, maybe I'm not good enough, you know? And then that's where the insecurities start. But, um, I think it's interesting to, to really see that clear correlation between relationships and where insecurities can begin because i mean i just there was not an ounce of insecurity in me before that i mean i was maybe 21 and had never experienced this what jealousy felt like you know i was like what what i think i'm feeling this thing i remember going up to my first boyfriend uh toward the end of our relationship and i was like i'm i'm feeling this thing where like it's whenever you're around that that girl um whenever you're around that amanda girl i just i i feel this thing and it's like i I feel kind of nervous and i feel sad or something and i don't know what it is 
but it's like only and he was like um babe i i think i think you're just feeling jealous it's fine and i was like uh oh oh that's what this is holy shit that's awful but um yeah that was my household just you know encouraging sex encouraging masturbation encouraging living and developing in whatever way that was true to me and just being honest to me and to my parents so like i never fucking lied to them um i also never drank i never smoked i never fucked i never did any of the things that they were like sure go do it just be smart about it and it wasn't until my second semester of college that i was like maybe i'll have sex <laughs> so and and it's kind of interesting the way that works out because i grew up in a completely the opposite. So my parents were like these strict mm. Roman Catholics and they, mm -hmm. the whole deal, we're going to go to Latin mass now. And, uh, you know, you're going to get to watch, uh, the priest wash your, your dad's feet for three hours during the ceremony. Really bizarre stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, what do they wash the feet for? I don't know. It had something to do with Easter or something. I, I don't know because I mean, I, Someone handed me a missal. That's like one of those books that has the Latin and then the English. Mm -hmm. So I finally got to read the English for the first time. And I'm like, this is fucked up, man. Like, there's like some crazy stuff in here. Before, it sounds beautiful. It looks, it's so beautiful. I mean, other than the fact that someone's washing your dad's feet. I mean, it's. Right. I mean, I would love for someone to wash my feet, but not for that long. Because you would get the, the wrinkly skin. Which actually... I think the wrinkly skin, uh, I think my mom told me this, that it's like a form of, not evolution, but dates for, back to, what were you going to say? It's for traction, isn't it? Doesn't it increase yeah, traction? Like, yeah, like it increases traction, so it allows, uh, you know, for like when humans were in water to like catch fish or to... I don't know. Pretty interesting shit. On your Instagram, actually, there's another series that I'm interested in. It's um, the WTPL series. Um, oh, yes. When that pussy lit. Yes. The, the natural source of all light, life, and intuition. Mm-hmm. So, when that pussy lit series started a couple of years ago... Um, the first one that I did was I was at my friend Sosie's old house and you could see the sunset so beautifully from her porch. And so I decided to do a headstand on her table and then obviously forced her to take a picture of me. And I was like, well, you have to get the sun in between my legs, like near my vagina because the sun is source of light and, and life and vaginas as well. And she's like, yeah, whatever, just fucking do it. And so I did it and I, I didn't know it was going to be a series yet, and I posted it just when that pussy lit. And then I was on a hike with my friend Jessica shortly thereafter. Ew, who says that? Shortly thereafter. Like, I fucking work in a library. And libraries are cool, so whatever. Books are um, good. Yeah. And there was a double rainbow, and I was on a hike with my friend Jessica, and I was like, dog, yo. I know it's like kind of raining right now, but you got to fucking do this for me. So I'm going to go up, I'm going to go up on a headstand and I had to like, I had to balance myself on this rock that was really uneven. There were people walking around, they were in the way of the picture and we didn't want to say like, Hey, can you move? Because obviously they can be there. Uh, Excuse me. I'm so sorry. It's all natural. Don't worry. Yeah. I just, I know that, burping on podcasts can be really annoying so if you have to take that out you can take it out or um, i can add an echo effect too we'll see how it goes so i so i'm on that hike i see the double rainbow i'm like you got to take a picture of this with me but the rainbow has to be coming out of my crotch and she was like <laughs> okay and she got it i mean she nailed it it looks great yeah like everyone's like damn these photos are amazing i'm like i i mean I'm in them. I didn't take any of them. So it's really all of my willing ass friends who have taken amazing pictures. And so then the double rainbow one like kind of went viral and 
I did. So then I'm like, when that pussy lit series. And that one was Taste the Rainbow. So, and then I just kept going with it because, and I've taken when that pussy lit pictures all over the world, Dubai, Greece, um, Peru. Yeah. Anywhere that I go, I, I take them because I, obviously, I don't want to say I have an obsession with vaginas because I think it's fair that we should all be as interested and understanding of how complex and amazing vaginas are. And so I think I just don't have an aversion to them. You know, like I think growing up, I was like, oh, I don't care about vaginas, mom. Like she'd be like, well, if you want, I can, you know, just go in front of the mirror and look, you know, you should know what you look. I'm like, mom, fucking no. And so it makes me really sad that a lot of men and women don't know much about vaginas and it's it's everyone's fault um we don't have conversations we we don't have the right conversations we're starting to now as a people i'll share a story because i I find that uh in north america people are just kind of grodied out by vaginas but i don't know if they're as grossed out by penises it's kind of strange and um I I actually my my wife gave me this story. She showed it to me. There's this guy. He like went nuts and 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 told his wife that he he couldn't take it anymore because he saw his wife like she got out of the shower and she kind of mm-hmm. like uh you know um I guess spread her legs a bit and she and she was taking the towel and she was cleaning like you know her labia basically right Right, she was like like in her folds yeah she was going into her folds and like making sure that everything was good and clean and dry right Mm -hmm. i mean granted you know you kind of like the position that you're taking there might be not so dignified looking for a lot of people but you got to get the job done right i mean if you're a woman you want to make sure that it's clean but this like caused his brain to explode or something he said oh it's disgusting i can't take it the only thing that the it seems the vagina is for is like inserting your penis into. Otherwise, right. like anything else is like, uh, oh, it's dirty down there. Wait, who is this man? Where did this happen? Damn, I'm gonna have to look this up. Um, that's awful. I mean, I just think that's that's like the issue too. Like, it just needs to be this hole. It just needs to be this slit. Like it. And no, like, that's not, like, we essentially have a penis inside our vaginas plus a vagina. That's what the clitoris is, and it's so big and large and covers space. And the fact that the vagina is always changing based off what part of your cycle that you're in. I mean, most people, when I, women included, when I talk to them, I'm, you know, I'll be like, okay, well, you know, your progesterone would be dropping now then because, you know, your period. And they're like, what? Like, well, yeah, that's that's the part of your cycle that you're in. And we don't even know this because we're not taught it. But hormones are everything. I mean, it's how people are fucking born, you know? And it it makes me sad and angry and so many things. But most of anything, it just makes me more inclined to have this conversation with people and, and just, you know, make it not a normal neutral thing, but a normal, beautiful thing. You know, penises are praised all the time. I love penises. I don't, I don't think it should be like, fuck dicks and yay vaginas. I don't think that. I just think it's so fucking sad that so many people, especially men, don't know what like vaginas actually look like and don't know what what they do and don't know what the different parts of them are yet they want to be inside one all the time it's just so unfair and sad it is pretty strange i'm gonna throw around some uh tropes here so you've got like pussy power free the nipple for instance like the idea that like you know just because you're showing your tits 
doesn't mean that you're asking necessarily for sexual attention all the time. Right. I, um, I've gotten so much heat for that because of that, uh, women's march that I went to like two years ago. Um, I was holding up a sign and the shirt that I was wearing was see-through and I didn't plan to wear that shirt that morning, but many of my shirts are see-through and it's the shirt that I put on. And I got so many men and women writing to me saying like, if you didn't want that kind of attention, you shouldn't wear that stuff. And I would DM many of them. And so I would try and talk to them and just be like, hey, listen, I totally understand that this may not have been the life that you have been living and you haven't had the experience to understand where I'm coming from, but it is possible to wear something that is see-through that shows my nipples and to not want to be harassed. It's a thing, you know? And then I would ask the guys like, you know, what if you're, what if what if this is something that your girlfriend or your wife would want to do? Or, or guys would then compare it to, well, I'm, I don't have my dick out all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not the same. It's actually not the same. I didn't have my private parts out. Um, but even that, I would love to get to a place where it's all about choice. It is my decision. There should be more talking. There should be less assuming. You know, it, it's possible that when people go out, they're not dressing for anyone else. They're dressing for them. It makes them feel good. No matter where that feel goodness comes from, it's a personal fucking choice. You know, I think I have friends who are strippers. I have friends who are porn stars. That doesn't mean that they're trying to be fucked all the time. It truly doesn't. You know, I, I think that it's possible to show your nipples and want sexual attention and get it. And that's still okay. And it's also okay for you to show your nipples and not want sexual attention. And in both situations, neither times do you want to be harassed. And um, I think that I grew up in a household where everyone was naked all the time. So to me, it was like a very normal thing again. Uh, and there was no sexualizing of my parents' bodies or of my bodies when I was younger, younger, or my brother walking around naked. It was, we had one fucking bathroom. We all had to get ready in the morning. We all, you know, someone was showering while someone was going to the bathroom while someone was brushing their teeth. That's just how it worked. There was no, ooh, like attention or covering yourself up because you were naked. It was just a very normal thing. I'm brushing my teeth and I haven't put clothes on yet today. Um, so that's, I think the direction, not, I think that's the direction that I would love for people to go in. You know, I think people are thinking like, okay, well you want it to be the same as men's nipples? No, I don't because can you breastfeed? No, you can't. So I don't, so I do think there is something amazing about women's nipples and women's breasts and prolactin that we produce and then, you know, can have breast milk. But there should be, no matter what, this level of respect and this diminished sense of this patriarchy that we have that is so ingrained and a heightened sense of choice and the fact that a woman can be sexual if she wants to and can also just be wearing a shirt because she wants to and her nipples show like men don't even have to wear shirts at the beach and I've gotten in trouble in San Diego for taking my top off and sunbathing around Two, two of my guy friends and I'm like well that's crazy because there are four nipples that are not covered and my two are being harassed by a police officer you know yeah yeah it's crazy I, I, we actually had a previous uh, guest on the show it was a show all about uh, body freedom activism just the ability to you know the idea that as people walk around like this more often 
you, you kind of almost decouple walking around doing your everyday with sexuality. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's two different things. So like uh, some some dude could be walking around uh, bare-chested, you know, doing whatever he's doing, and nobody will sexualize that, right? But if you have the right sort of um, environment or the right sort of mood, and he's, you know, he's trying to be sexy or he is sexy, it's, it's different. I mean, there's... Yes, exactly. And both of those should be allowed and praised, accepted, and respected, no matter what. Exactly. I totally agree. And uh, on your on your Instagram, actually, I remember seeing a picture of you breaking some some plates, I think, with the word uh, patriarchy on it. And that's kind of cool, too. You went to this place where you, you, you did that, some sort of exercise, like a consciousness awareness was, thing? So the breaking of the plate was an art installation, and they gave you a blank plate, and you could write on it whatever you wanted. And... Many people were writing patriarchy because that was part of the art installation, but you could truly write whatever you wanted. And, um, and it was dope. And I think that a lot of people get, I think a lot of people have this misconception with people saying, you know, fuck the patriarchy or breaking a glass that says patriarchy that we are meaning fuck men and we don't need men and women are better than men just like this huge fucking misconception with the black lives matter movement that people are thinking that black lives matter means that all lives don't matter no that's not what they're saying they're saying that all the other lives have always mattered and have always been prioritized just like with sex and gender men or the patriarchy has already been prioritized and has already mattered more than women in history, the same as race. And so us breaking down that thing that already exists is not to say fuck everyone else or fuck men or fuck anyone who's not black. No, it's saying let's break this other shit down so we can at least be at that even level because right now it's not fair playing games, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and it's difficult because, you know, my wife, uh, she's black and uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've grown up, you know, I'm a white dude. So being a white dude, um, I didn't notice it. So when I first met her, she told me about racism and I said, oh, racism doesn't exist. Uh, there's, there's no racism. What, what are you talking about? Wow, yeah. And it took me a while. L luckily, she stayed with me, right? <laughs> <laughs> luckily, it took it took me a while, but then I started realizing things. Like, I realized that I would do things like walk into stores and I would take something off the shelf and I would casually walk out the door and I'd be like, oops, I forgot to pay for it. And I'd go back in again, right? Mm-hmm nobody would stop me. And I'm like, that's kind of strange, right? Hmm. And when I'm walking around with her, everybody's looking at her, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and, and I'm like, wow, why is everyone looking at her at me? And my wife will say, well, they're trying to figure out what I am probably. Am I your girlfriend? Or am I someone you're paying for? Like what you know what I mean? Like it's just right. And I started realizing that she had it many different problematic many different ways. First of all, she is she's mixed, so she's her father's from Barbados and her mom is from here in Quebec. So she's got that going. So which means mm -hmm. she's got like she's kind of straddling two different communities. She's got on the one hand, she's got black people who might see her and say, Well, she, she's kind of not really black, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got the people on the white side saying, as soon as you've got like one millionth of an ounce of color in you, you're not white. I mean, that seems right. to be the way it works, right? Yeah. And, I mean, like no one would look at me and think that I'm white, but my mom is white as fuck. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got that. And then on top of that, she's a woman. And I noticed that right. too. Like when we go 
to like uh, go to a restaurant or even recently where we've been like doing some renos in our house, they always come right to me. Even though she's the one who's doing, even though I told them to, to deal with her because she's the one who's doing the renos, it's for her office. <laughs> always to me. All the time. That's crazy. It kind of sucks a little bit too because the thing is, frankly, I'm happy with her taking care of this stuff. But it's like people won't let her do that. Right. And that's why she has to claim it. And that's why people think that like, oftentimes like people are being aggressive by doing shit. And it's like, no, but like if we don't claim, which is something that's active versus just allowing something to happen, things will just continue as they are. For sure. Um, tell me a little bit about this because, um, so when I was younger, I was a paper boy and I got my hand like mulled by a German shepherd. Like, and also when I was uh, in uh, elementary school, I got hit by a truck and I broke my femur. So I've had a few injuries oh. myself. Um, but you have had some issues with your health. <laughs> <laughs> health and accidents, yeah. I mean, first of all, the the biggest the two biggest ones that I saw, one of them was that you you nearly died because you got this horrible I guess it's an infection, a laryngeal infection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was an abscess. Uh, yeah, an infection. How, how did that work out? Like, uh, I mean, you, you, you just, did it come on slowly? Did you think it was a flu or something? Yes, I got an infection. It was called Fusobacterium necroforum. Necro is obviously bad as shit. Um, Escalated very quickly. I had really never been sick as a child, so I didn't know that what I was feeling was a fever. I just knew that I didn't feel well, that my throat hurt a lot. And again, never had really been sick. So I went to the clinic at school where I was, and I mean, I couldn't even keep my head up. My body was just fusobacterium necroforum. What it does is it kills you by killing off your cells like very quickly. And it has a 90% death rate. Um, yeah. Yeah, you really just, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, within about 42 hours, I would say, I was already septic. Um yeah, fevers above 106. I was just passing out and waking up, just like really trying to get it together um, until they finally admitted me. My mom took me to the emergency room and was like, she's not okay. We are not going home. Figure it the fuck out. Jesus. So they... Yeah. I mean, you would expect there to be like a an ambulance there or something if you're like passing out and coming back in and out of it. Like 106 is no joke. Right. I mean, it went past 106. I, I turned the thermometer off when I saw 106 and then like passed out. And my mom went home and checked the thermometer because she was like, there's no way, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was at school for the beginning of it a couple hours away. And one of my best friends, Alex, drove me home because he could tell that I was not okay. And I called him crying and was like, I know that you're going home this weekend and I know that you already left, but can, can you come back and get me? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> um, I have the most amazing friends in the world. But yeah, so then I had to take a year off of college and that was, that sucked for me. But in retrospect, it was totally fine as many things are in life. You think it's the end of the fucking world and it's not. Yeah, I would say the only thing that does suck about it is the lasting effects of when you have such an intense experience of almost dying and, and having to physically, actively, mentally hold on and stay here and keep your eyes open and keep breathing. And um, It's definitely life-altering. You know, 
many people look at the situation and are like, but you're so, but you're alive, you know, that's great. And yes, it is great. But, you know, the inside of my left eye is completely liquefied. So I see things differently, which makes me feel differently sometimes. Mm -hmm. I would say I'm a lot more scared than I used to be because I actually realize that anything can happen at any time for any random ass fucking reason. And that's that. And, uh, could you hear my stomach growling? Yeah, I could. That's cool. Um, PTSD is a real thing and you start to wonder and you start to realize like everyone is walking around. Like so many people have PTSD for one reason or another. And so many of us live in our triggers and in our past and in shit that we don't even consciously clock every day. You know, certainly, I mean, suddenly certain lights will make me feel differently. And all of a sudden I'm like, like, oh, my heart rate is going up. My body's freaking out for some reason. I don't know why, because I'm fine. Um, and then you just realize that that's kind of how trauma lives in the brain. It gets, it fires and gets triggered for reasons that could have nothing to do with the fact that the weather was the same on the day that this thing happened in your brain, where, you know, your your synapses fire and kind of get stuck on the way crossing over, you know? Yeah. And uh, they get stuck in a smell that was the same or a we the weather that was the same or the way that the lighting was and all of those things begin to associate uh, with that terrible time. But I also think it's, it's really helped me because I... I have been able to help so many people and so many friends who deal with panic attacks or PTSD for whatever reasons. And it's so funny because people who know me are like, oh no, you're my therapist. You're my therapy dog. I mean, I have friends who invite me places just because they need to feel calmer or safer. And it's so interesting because I'm like, I'm dying inside sometimes. What? And um, I'm actually having a panic attack right now what are you talking about and uh so many friends use me for that and it it does make me feel good and makes me feel useful and makes me feel like although i don't feel the best all the time it's not affecting anyone else's energy and that i am still calming for my friends or have a soothing effect for people who need it and now, not only do I have that energetically and can help other people, but intellectually, I can understand where they are when they call me and they're like in a grocery store and they're like, I forgot my name. I just remember you. I, I need you to come pick me up. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, okay, you know, and, um, and I think that's the biggest part of everything, like being able to lean on people and community and even if they're not your best friends just people being more understanding as a whole that there are a lot of people walking around who are not okay a lot of the time it's so important for people to get that and i also know that it's so hard to get it until you understand it because when i was younger i knew people who had panic attacks and i in my head i was like just breathe breath is everything now just think about something calming it'll it'll be fine Right. And, and people say that in a positive ignorance, because you can be ignorant and still have the best of intentions. You, they say you didn't, I would say that because I didn't know anything better. And I was like, oh, I, I really want to be here for you. I think I would always say that, like, just breathe. And I really didn't understand what was going on with the person. At work one time, I was having what could be called a panic attack. And I, um, my memory was just fucked. And mm -hmm. I literally would, I, I was forgetting what day it was. Mm -hmm. And I would write down the date, like mm -hmm. in Notepad, my Windows Notepad or whatever. And then I would look back at it, like a, a couple seconds later, I would swear that it changed. Wow, yeah. I'm like, well, this isn't the date. This isn't what I wrote. And I, 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 I would be like, February, you know, March, you know. June, like what, what is the month? And it just circles around, you know, it just, it's like a horrible feedback loop. Um, 
And uh, I think the, probably the best approach would have been just for me to walk away, but I stuck with it. And it's, uh, that's the worst when you try and do it alone. Yeah. You know, you stick with it because you want to prove to yourself you're not crazy right. and, that, and that you're not losing it. And I think that's in those situations, you just have to accept that it's going to feel really, really uncomfortable and things might not make sense in your mind because things are firing improperly. And the more you freak up, the less things make sense. And I mean, you also had like this horrible dog bite, bite accident. I mean, you basically had your face bitten uh, by this dog and you ended up going into a great deal of medical attention for that. And <laughs> I mean, just not so. And you wouldn't know. I mean, it, they did a very good job of putting you back together again, but I did see the picture from your Instagram and it was pretty horrific. Oh, yeah. And that picture is from when I was already sewed up. It pisses me off that I don't have a picture from before it all happened, before I was sewed up. But, you know, it wasn't in the age of like, oh, just open up your phone. Um, this was 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was 18. And it was my senior year of high school. It was the summer before my senior year of high school. I was working as a lifeguard. And, yeah, I was mauled in the face. Uh, my nose ring was ripped out. You could see through to my bone. Um, I had 150 stitches. And the woman who sewed me up is the reason that I look like a person. Because there was no way that I was going to look like a human being after what ensued. But shit happens. And I love dogs. And I love pit bulls. This dog had trouble seeing. He had inverted eyelashes. And it was very rough on him to have people around him, you know, moving. It was it was hard for him, and so I'm not making up excuses for him. I'm, I'm making up reasons that are the truth. Um, he growled at me, and he was playing with his bone, and I was like, "Hi!" And he kind of did a little, and so I bent down in my human language after he just communicated in his dog language, "Get the fuck away from me!" and I bent down to say sorry, and I was like, I'm sorry, sweetie. And when I did that, he jumped up and twisted his head because pit bulls, that's what they do. They go for the neck and just bit across my face from the side of my cheek. I mean, I'm lucky that he did have sharp teeth and that it actually went through my skin because if not, it would have been so jagged. I mean, it's just crazy when I think about it now that he actually like went into my cheek, pulled, pulled down the other side of my cheek onto my nose. Some of the bites were close to my eye, so we couldn't put stitches in them. But um, he didn't lock his jaw or anything. He let go immediately. He took like a bite. I don't even think he closed his mouth mm -hmm. and then let go and kind of cowered and and holy shit realized what he had done to me and he felt so bad and just was like sitting there cowering in a corner and i just don't think that he really thought that he was gonna bite me i think you know when i bent down i think he just meant to like yap at me but then i moved and like went to go give him a kiss or something or like say sorry it was just a i don't know just a bunch of events that were unfortunate that led to an accident that sometimes happens in life and um i uh was attacked by a pit bull <laughs> do you believe in some higher power or gods or goddesses or or do you believe in like we're all just you know machines moving along in in a well-ordered universe because like there's a lot of shit going down here right yeah um so what I believe in and what I pray to is God in a sense, but I never call it God because the rest of the world views God as something else, you yeah. know, as something tied to religion. Or if I have a moment like this to explain myself, then I'll say, yeah, I, I pray to God. But what God to me is, is everything that is living. And, I, and it makes me think like, well, I think that's what they meant in the Bible. You know, and like, God lives in trees, God lives in you, God lives in this, God lives in that. Right, that's just existence. 
that is this amazing thing that is creation that is God, you know, like that makes the world move the way it does. And to me, that's nature. Nature is God. Mother nature is God. Um, yes, yeah, so you're a bit of a pantheist then maybe. I guess, because I do think that there is this power or this energy that is higher, mm-hmm. but not higher than people, just an energy that we don't necessarily have. And then I, you know, I used to say like, I mean, can I make plants grow? Can I create a person? And I'm like, wait, but I can. The way that human nature and the way that nature is made is so incredible to me. The way that it's so beautifully and finely organized so that, you know, the sun rises each day. Well, I guess we're just rotating, right? Yeah, that, that's the yeah, way it works. Technically. But still, but, it's beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> Right, so that we can have light and we can have dark, and then at dark, you know, melatonin starts to be produced, and then we get sleepy and we go to bed. And while we sleep, there's all this, you know, healing that's happening in our bodies and restorative things, restorative things that are happening. Um, I don't know why I just turned into a cowgirl. I do believe in something. I often pray to my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me is a part of God in the way that the universe works, because I do think that we're way more than just these skeletons and brains, because if that's all we were, you wouldn't miss anyone. You know, you wouldn't miss anyone. You wouldn't be sad that people died. You would just live and create and do your job and come home and sleep and function as a robot. Yeah. But that's not how we're wired. It's just not. And so to me, I'm like, there's, there's, there's gotta be more. And yeah. There were some members of the squad, uh, <laughs> the Esther squad. And they, and one of them asked me about the 10,000 story, the 10 K story. I think yeah. that predates me. I, I don't quite know what that's all about. 10 <laughs> K. That's funny. So 10K happened maybe three years ago. Um, I was on a hike with Kristen, who's part of College Squad, and Esther. And Esther asked me, and Kristen, Esther said, how much money would you have to make for you to feel like you had truly made it? You know, Esther didn't have her TV show yet. She was still hustling and she still is on her grind. And, you know, I didn't have anything. I still don't have anything. But we were talking about what that would look like money-wise. And, you know, I I really gave it thought. And I was like, okay, you know, she's like, Jenna, go first. So we all went around and and we were just saying how much money we would need to have for us to really have felt like we had made it. And I'm going, okay, rent is about a thousand a month. My cell phone is about a hundred a month, maybe gas and groceries. And I was like, okay, got it. And I was like, you know, I want to give my parents like a couple thousand dollars, pay them back for some things. Okay. I got it. And they're like, okay, so what's your number? And I was like, 10,000. And I was so happy to announce this number that I had gotten to that would mean that I had made it. And they were both just like, wow, you're so absolutely fucking stupid. You're a fucking idiot. And you suck. And so then it became a running joke of just 10,000. And anytime anything was funny or not funny or stupid or smart, it just became 10,000. And uh, and then Esther started hashtagging 10K and we started talking about 10K all the time. And uh, I think it's good to tell that story because a lot of people are like, where the fuck does that shit come from? And what the fuck does it mean? That's what it means. I'm a fucking idiot. Or, or it means that you don't need a lot to be happy. Maybe you're just like happy to be alive. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you given all the shit that's gone down health wise. Uh, yeah. I mean, you probably I mean, I'm need also a bit a fucking more than idiot. that. Yeah. Yeah. But. I'm- a fucking idiot and i also like green smoothies that cost 12 dollars. so like you know 
you do your math, how many, I don't know how many smoothies you can buy with 10K, but uh, maybe that 10K label there just symbolizes a simple happiness with friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking at the moment. Like, well, I got my girls, pay my family back a couple thousand dollars, pay my rent for like five months without having to think about shit. Yeah, I'm good. 10K. <laughs> hey, listen, Jenna, I want to thank you for having the patience to deal with all the audio issues today and for, you know, being on the show. It's great. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like all I did was fucking talk. Like, you barely got anything in. Yeah, it's usually the way it works, but it's good. (laughs) Anyway, thanks so much. No worries. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I'd like to thank Jenna Jimenez for being on the show. Uh, I just want to start a new feature on the uh, episode. First of all, I want to do a shout-out to a couple of podcasts that uh, have mentioned me recently. Um, The first one is called 1240 Cerebral Flatulence Podcast. And uh, they actually uh, used a snippet from my episode from Polybius on their podcast, and I want to thank them for that. Um, I also want to mention... Semi-Intellectual Musings, which is a fantastic podcast right out of here in Canada. And uh, they invited me onto the show, so I can't wait to be on that program. I don't know really what I'm going to be talking about, but I'm hoping it's going to be a blast. I'm pretty sure it it will be, actually. And uh, I'd also like to thank Free Thinking Radio. Uh, Those guys have started playing the show Uh, The backlogs on the program, on their rotation, rather. Uh, You'll find us on Tuesdays, I believe, there. Um, Another part of the show I'd like to start off is reading the reviews, because I've gotten a lot of reviews over the past couple of years, but I just, for whatever reason, I haven't read them on the air. And I think that's a disservice. I think that Anybody who leaves any kind of positive review for the show, I'm going to read. In fact, I might even read the negative reviews, too. So please, please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Podknife or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. Email me about it over at ShareSlicePodcast.com or rather ShareSlicePodcast at gmail.com and I will read it on the air. So here's the first review. I'm going to do it in chronological order. Um, this one comes from Jeff Mack from the Super PP Time podcast, which is an amazing podcast. It goes like this. I listened to one episode and it bounced back and forth between the cultural relevance of Tiki and Pee Wee Herman. Then I listened to another and it went from sci-fi to the ethics of uploading your brains to a computer. And then I just gave in and downloaded all the remaining episodes. Smart as hell, fun, funny, I can't stop. Listen to this, and when you do, you just know that you're going to listen to more of this. Thank you so much, Jeff. Another podcast review comes in from Jay on T, and this came in April 2016. Hells yeah, it says. A fabulous host with incredible guests and no topics off limits. What's not to love? You have no idea how much joy it brings a podcaster to see a positive review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Podknife, uh, Stitcher, any review. Just let me know where you left the review. Email shareslicepodcast at gmail.com and I will read it on the air. That's one thing I'm going to start doing this uh, episode and moving forward just to show my appreciation. If you know anybody who'd be interested in either being on the show, composing music for this show, or doing some sort of art for this show, please let me know. This will help immensely. Um, I I can't really give very much money, but I can do a shout out for you on the program. So thanks so, so much for listening. And I uh, hope you'll be back next time. How about... 
You might even be able to just leave the phone, like, sitting somewhere. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, get this the fuck out of the way. Things kind of hectic in your closet? Yeah, a little bit. I'm going through, like, a total purge phase. Um... Okay, so what if... Oh, this is nice. What if I talk like this? <laughs> you sound like one of those 1-900 lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, but can you hear me? Because I'm just like... The phone is on its own. Yeah. I have it like propped up. That seems okay. What would be better? Let's see. That's good, but probably if you hold the phone and you speak into it, it might be a bit better because you're keeping the same distance from the mic pretty much all the time. Whereas if you just sit the phone down, unless you have like good mic technique and you're like leaning into it, you might like get excited and then start looking in other directions and stuff. Let's see. I swear I've never had uh, a guest this patient with audio quality before in my life. <gasps> I have a lot of patients. It's like one of my... Um... Y you have an extraordinary amount of patients. Um, yeah, I do. It's kind of it's my thing. <laughs> it's so funny. The, uh, what the fuck is this bag? I have patients for like... Things that no one has patience for and then things that I should have patience for, I, like, flip the fuck out at, like, this plastic bag in my closet. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Okay, so what if I stay like this? <laughs> 